This episode is sponsored by the publisher Griffin House. They have a lot of books for early childhood education. Go to their homepage, griffinhouse.com. G-R-Y-P-H-O-N, house.com. Welcome to the podcast, Research in Leadership in Schools, Early Childhood Settings and Social Care Settings. Today, we are going to listen to an interview that I have carried out with Jim Brandon. Enjoy the interview. Yeah, so today I am here on uh, Skype. I am here in Chicago, and with me is uh, Jim Brandon, and he is an associate professor and an associate dean uh, in Calgary. So welcome to the podcast, Jim. Uh, Very great to be here, uh, Johanna. And we are going to talk about a project which you have named Neil. Yes, <clears throat> looking forward to it. So, so firstly, what uh, what does the letters in Neil stand for? Well, Neil stands for nurturing uh, excellence in instruction and leadership. So it's um, designed as a program built by the Canadian Rockies School Division and the University of Calgary through funding from the province of Alberta to um, look at how leadership can impact student success. And by success, we mean uh, student engagement, student learning, and student well-being. So kind of it's a broad uh, focus. It's not only on the academic, but it's also kind of further. Yeah, the um, I think what we've found in working in schools and doing research in schools is that when we take a look at the whole child and we start thinking about what their daily experience is, that is, are children engaged and are they do they have a sense of well-being, then the academic side um, seems to merge with those two other ideas into what a number of people describe as student success. Hmm. And, and, and uh, which kind of school are we talking about? Primary school or secondary school or both? So the uh, Canadian Rockies schools, um, there are six schools in this unit, which is close to the uh, Canadian National Park of Banff. So it's a, a beautiful setting in the Rockies. And there are six schools that work as part of the school district. And even though it's an idyllic setting, they're are a number of challenges having to do with uh, tourism and proximity to um, indigenous uh, Canadian uh, uh, reserves where uh, children and their parents 
uh, sometimes look for schools, a school or two in Canadian Rockies, just outside of the um, what's called the Stony Nakoda uh, territory for Canadian First Peoples. So it's it's a complex set of six schools, and it ranges from uh, kindergarten through to grade twelve. Ah, okay. And and when you talk about kindergarten, it's the American understanding. So it's kind of year zero in uh, elementary school. It's uh, when the children are uh, five years old, primarily. Five years old. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. In Europe, we often talk about kindergarten as a childcare center, so there's like a conceptual difference there. <laughs> yeah, it, it is for sure, and uh, and and so the you know there's two high schools in the district, not all that large by Canadian. Uh, standards, uh, and then there are there's one um, K to five school. There's a, another um, school that goes K to four. So they are are various configurations, but it's a fairly small geographic uh, area, and the total population is around three thousand, with about uh, um, you know, so it's, it's about 180 school teachers in total. Hmm. Can you maybe walk us through the process of the Neil uh, project? Well, so it, it's a three-year-old project, and, and what it's involved is the Galileo Educational Network, which is a professional learning organization from the University of Calgary. So we've been working with a number of people in the district, including the superintendent, assistant superintendents, uh, other people in the school division office. And uh, we also uh, have been working with uh, the six school principals and the assistant principals in, in schools, so a group of about 10 or 11. And with them, we've been working on developing their leadership in relation to the, um, the standard for uh, school principals that's uh, in draft form in the province of Alberta. So with the leaders, we've been working on leadership that impacts student success. And then uh, other members of our team have been working with teachers in, in various combinations across the district to um, focus more on teaching that uh, leads to student success and is based on what we describe as the teaching effectiveness framework, which was developed by Sharon Fre Dr. Sharon Friesen, the vice dean of the University of Calgary back in 2009. So we work with teachers, we work with um, leaders in the schools, and we work with um, the people in, in the district office. So we've um, you worked on ideas around shared instruction leadership or uh, overall instructional leadership. So it's not the idea of one person being the leader, it's the idea that uh, people working together in a collective way can really have an impact on student success. So we've had, we've had um, what we call mentors from the Galileo Educational Network who have been, who are, are really good teachers, but who work in the university to support teaching. So they've, they've worked in the district uh, in a variety of ways for about three years to strengthen teacher understanding of approaches that build um, towards student success. And um, then we, we've been working, uh, another woman who you met at the American Education Research Association, Candace Sarr, who's the Director of Professional Learning from 
the um, Galileo Educational Network. We, so we, the two of us have been working uh, along with Sharon Friesen from the University of Calgary with, with the leaders to help them create structures and create ways in which they can nurture um, teaching that impacts student success. So it's a it's a combined approach, working with teachers, working with the superintendents, and working with the school leaders to create an environment where we are using the best evidence that we have about what good teaching is, along with uh, daily evidence that people examine in a collective way to improve their practice. So what we reported on in the um, at the American Education Research Association back in um, in San Antonio back in, in April was one uh, of the yearly activities that we got involved in called the Neil leading and learning cycles. Hmm. And these were, um, and that, that might be a, a place where we could go into more detail if you're interested. Yeah, yeah let's do that. Sure. So um, what often happens when people work as instructional leaders is that they they encounter obstacles. So it's a lot easier to do the, the task in front of you mm. or the task that somebody else requires of you rather than figuring out how to work with teachers uh, when you're through instructional leadership. So we, you know, there are a number of, of challenges related to it. One of them is just, you know, finding the time. But it's also, um, it's not always that easy for even experienced principals to have an idea about how they can support teaching in a way that, um, you know, is time effective, but which is also uh, going to have an impact on the, the practice of the professional teacher. Hmm. So it, it involves more than telling people what to do. It involves um, a lot around engaging with the teacher and helping to understand what the teacher's intention is and then to provide um, reflective questions to help move the teaching forward. So what we've structured in a way to help principals um, become stronger instructional leaders or pedagogical leaders is um, something that we involved a little bit of a fishbowl approach where uh, we had three school leaders who were working with one teacher for a morning in, and this happened across the district um, in all six schools and in varying combinations. But the basic idea of this Neil cycle was that um, if a teacher was looking to get feedback on an aspect of his or her teaching, then um, that would be the starting point. So the, the teacher would meet with the principal and, uh, you know, a, a day before or a couple of days before the, the Neil cycle unfolded. And uh, the, the teacher would indicate what area of teaching was going to be concentrated on for a particular lesson. So this so is like a pre-conference. It's, it's a pre-conference, and um, and it's the first of actually two pre-conferences. The second pre-conference would happen when um, a number of school administrators would come into one of the schools and uh, 
work with um, either teacher, the first teacher or a second teacher. So let's just take uh, a teacher who has been working, say, in Banff um, High School and has indicated that the, the teacher would, would like to um, take a look at the way that formative assessment is working in her classroom. So she would uh, provide an overview of what she was going to do during a 30-minute period uh, before school in that morning to the principal. And the, the principal would be observed by two peers. Huh. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's, it's quite a quite a large number of people in the classroom, much like what medical rounds uh, operate like in in hospitals. Hmm. So of the two people who are observing, uh, one is there to provide specific feedback to the principal, and the other is there to observe um, how the teacher is responding to the observation that unfolds. Uh, all three of them then after the purpose has been explained go into the classroom spend a half hour together and then following that period uh, a we call them substitute teacher or supply teacher will, will go into the classroom and the group of four would go into a a post-conference mm-hmm. and in the post-conference um, it unfolds uh, the way that um, models like this often unfold, so you could call it clinical supervision or you could look at cognitive coaching or any number of ways where one person is trying to work with the other person to support their practice after an observation. And in this case, um, they're doing it in front of the, the two people who have also been in the classroom, and these are school leaders. So the, the teacher um, will respond to principal questions. In these questions, we call them generative or generous questions, which are designed to uh, get the teacher thinking about uh, how things have unfolded and what um, they think worked in that classroom situation, what they think could have worked better. And, and they uh, so a dialogue um between the principal and the teacher unfolds for a certain period of time. Usually we're under a bit of a a time frame. So say after 15 minutes and um, they end up with some ideas about what might happen the next time the principal um, was available to support the teacher. So once that um, post-conference discussion has ended, then the um, Observers uh, will get involved, but um, we'll take a little bit of time uh, for each of the four people to jot some notes about um, what they think, um, how they think things have unfolded. Mm. And then at that point, um, the, um, the teacher will provide feedback to the principal about uh, what worked in the um, in in the principal's conversation with her in this case, and then one and pre- is that the teacher is he still still present or or will he kind of leave the meeting? There are all four of them are present. Okay, and um, so the but the teacher has an opportunity to provide the principal with feedback 
on how the process uh, has unfolded and what she learned in this case. The other principle, uh, the observing principle, will um, will, will provide um, feedback to the observed principle in a way similar to um, the the principal's questioning of of the teacher. So it will be asking the principal to reflect on his orientation to the experience and what he felt worked well in the um, post-conference with the teacher. So there's we're, we're getting a triangle established there. And then the, the fourth member of the Neil uh, team in this case will um, you know, provide some additional questions to the principal from the teacher's perspective. So all of this is designed to help the principal who is doing the evaluation do two things, or the uh, the supervision. One, one thing is for it to be um, uh, an opportunity for the principal to deepen the principal's sense of how to use the evidence gathered from the classroom to help the teacher. So the you know, one outcome is the, the principal gets feedback on the questioning and the use of evidence that the principal used. The principal will also um, get feedback from the teacher on that and, and will get uh, a better understanding of some aspect of, of teaching. So one of the concerns that uh, principals express when you talk with them um, outside of settings like this is that they they feel that they may not fully understand uh, where some of the leading edge pedagogical approaches are are going. So it's a it's an opportunity for the principal to learn more about teaching and to learn more about their competencies as an instructional leader in this in this classroom setting so it's um, so we've called it reciprocal learning and leading in that um, the learning goes both ways and you know as a as a person who worked as a principal for nine years and a deputy superintendent for 23 years and having been in hundreds of classrooms and having uh, utmost respect for teachers. I think this uh, two-way learning has been a big part of my experience over these years. And uh, it's really quite interesting as a researcher to um, see the way that people respond to um, the idea that it's legitimate for a principal to uh, work with a group of teachers in a way where the principal makes his or her practice uh, visible and uh, requests feedback on how things are going from from teachers in a way that isn't um, a, a summative evaluation, uh, isn't you know high risk, but is much more high opportunity for um, making adjustments to practice so that the schools um, work uh, in a way that is very collaborative. And, and that collaborative feature of the way the schools operate in this domain in Canadian Rockies has been just outstanding to um, observe as a researcher. 
what I really like about this approach is that you are kind of putting the teacher and the principal in a learning mode, both of them. So it kind of breaks down maybe some power structures. I think um, that's one of the one of the the outcomes, and one of the one of the things um, that this district has been doing through this Neil initiative over the past three years has been making leadership practice more visible in a way that teachers can understand what leaders are, are trying to do. And um, so, for example, uh, on a yearly basis, the people who are involved as members of the leadership teams in each of the schools come together in a two-day symposium and they, they look at evidence of how instructional leadership is progressing in their school. So this is a principal and assistant principal and perhaps four or five other teachers in the school looking at evidence of what's moving forward in their schools to better support student success. So they do it together. Huh. They, they do it at tables where principals encourage um the members of their team, some formal administrators and some informal uh, school le teacher leaders to comment on what's working and what could work more effectively. So it's evidence based, it's very transparent, and in some ways um, it allows or it requires that people be authentic about their real practice as opposed to putting on a performance and um, and um, you know, putting on the bureaucratic hierarchical um, uh, masks to um, you know to sort of play out their roles. So it's it's highly collaborative. It's highly interactive, and we think it makes a big difference for uh, student success. And 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 uh, yeah. So so one principle he kind of pulls in to other principles maybe, but. But how long will this go on? Will it go on kind of continuously, or is, is this like a learning period, and then the principal will be, will be on his own? Yeah, the, the, um, so we, we've been, the whole um, structure was one part of what we wanted uh, principals to be working on. And it's, uh, so this idea of an, you know supervision, as it's often called, one-to-one uh, work with teachers, being in classrooms, you know, it, it takes on a bit of, um, a, you know, there are a number of challenges with doing it well. So we've been working on one-to-one -one instructional leadership uh, in this way for a year and a half. But over the three-year period, we've been working on what Vivian Robinson calls um, leading teacher learning. So using Vivian Robinson from uh, New Zealand and Helen Timperley from New Zealand's ideas about um, you know working with groups of teachers in what um, we know as professional learning communities. So that that kind of work has really been the you know the even larger portion of the work. Huh. So the. So principals have been working with teachers in, in learning communities and their skills in that regard, um, you know, have been developing and progressing. 
they actually call them professional learning networks because the district is is quite extensively developed in the uh, digital domain. So so there's there's a lot of ways in which the members of the school community interact with each other and uh, support each other around professional learning. But the mystique of working one-to-one in ways that truly um, engage both the professional teacher leading the learning and the professional school leader who's there to support the learning in a one-to-one setting in a classroom. So that's that's the part that we have been focusing on as a, a learning orientation. But the expectation is that principals, you know, apply these ideas in ways that are ongoing in their classrooms and in keeping with the expectations of, um, of um, what we know works in schools, a combination of what um, Kyla Wallstrom, for instance, from the University of Minnesota and the Wallace Foundation would say is having both the ability to have an instructional focus, that's the, the big picture work, but also being involved in instructional actions. So principals who are rated more highly by um, teachers as positively impacting their practice are good at uh, working with groups of teachers, but they're also good and um, understand how to work with the individual teacher in classroom settings as well. So, so we're, we're trying to use both approaches um, and in keeping uh, with the literature around overall instructional leadership. Huh. And, and kind of the NEIL project, is it over now or is it in a second phase or what is happening to the NEIL project? It, um, it, is, uh, it, it continues and it's, um, it's now more clearly linked with a, a new provincial um, effort uh, from the Department of Education in Alberta where they have a number of uh, school districts, uh, each of which are getting some funding to uh, take the work a little uh, deeper around uh, uh, a series of three standards that are are just about ready to come out through the ministry. So a teaching quality standard, a leadership quality standard, and a superintendent leadership quality standard. And the, so this is the first time that um, the province or any province in Canada has implemented the three sets of standards, which are all focused on uh, creating environments where quality teaching leads to optimal learning for all students in the school. So, you know, the work the work is um, ongoing, and um, I think because of the demographic demographic shifts and the the shifts in what we know about student learning. Uh, we see we see the work continuing for uh, at least a couple of more years um, with the funding that we're the, the district is getting from the province of Alberta. Ah. Okay, and then the last thing I want to ask about the NEIL project is that the NEIL project is designed to be uh, running in schools, but do you think this approach could be used in early childhood and social care as well? I, I think whenever you have professionals working together, 
uh, or working in individual units, um, you know, in early childhood um, or um, in adult education. And I, I think the potential for engaging with each other, regardless of the roles, in ways that look at evidence, that engage in generous dialogue, that's designed to help the professional be as strong as um, he or she can be in any particular setting. So yes, I don't see, it's, it's about conversation. It's about being focused on what's good for kids. Oh. It's about, it's about um, opening up practice and not retreating behind the wall of assumed expertise, but to you know look at a a permeable boundary between people with uh, evolving expertise, I, I would say. Um, and I think we're all like that as professionals, even when we've been around for a long time, like I have been. Yeah, yeah. It has been very interesting, Jim. Um, if, if some of my listeners want to find out more about the Neil Project, but also about other research that you carry out, where can they go on the internet? They can go to the Workland School of Education at the University of Calgary, and um, so that's um, uh, and then you can look up my profile on at the that ucalgary.ca is the website. So it's a uh, ucalgary.ca and go to the uh, Workland School of Education uh, within the university's webpage. Okay. Thank you very much, Jim, for p p participating in the podcast. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity, and uh, take care. And uh, hopefully um, the weather in Chicago and in the Faroe Islands is as good as it is here in Calgary. We're having a beautiful spring day. Thank you for listening to the podcast Research in Leadership in Schools, Early Childhood Settings and Social Care Settings. I hope you have enjoyed the interview and that you have gained some new insights into leadership. I hope that you will listen to the other podcasts in this series. A new podcast is being published on the first of every month. You are also welcome to join us on Facebook. There is a group called Research in Leadership in Schools, Early Childhood Settings and Social Care Settings. If you just type in the name of the podcast in the search field in Facebook, you will find the group. Once again, thanks for listening and bye-bye.